Hi, I'm Evan Dean. I help lead the Galactic Hubs grant program in Alien Worlds. And I'm Matthew Grigaitis with Trillium Quest, a grantee and game builder. Alien Worlds allows players to compete for NFTs and tokens in a simulated economy. We're here on Edge of NFT, stimulating your minds to the simulated NFT and token economies. Keep, Keep listening. listening. Hey, NFT curious listeners, stay tuned for today's episode to learn how a game beginning in 2020 has turned into a vibrant metaverse with six planets and an interplanetary DAO-based ecosystem, continuing to push the boundaries of Web3, AI, and gaming. Next, we'll look at a brief debate over RuneScape or The Witcher 3 is the greatest game ever created. And which factors contribute to the significant growth in the gaming market for Web3 and how might it be influencing user engagement in comparison to other sectors? Welcome to the Edge of NFT, the podcast created by Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger, the podcast that brings you the top 1% of Web3 today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts of the business side and also the human element of how Web3 is changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving where it goes next. Today's sponsored episode features Evan Dean, who helps lead the Galactics Help Grant program in Alien Worlds. He has a well-decorated background in marketing with expertise in managing ecosystem partnerships for blockchain networks and fan engagement startups. Meanwhile, we also have Matthew Guidis. Matt is a seasoned full-stack software engineer who graduated from Southern New Hampshire University and has been programming Maestro since 1998, with a notable stint in medical development during his time at Health First Medical Group. But don't let that fool you. Matt also excels in developing cutting-edge business systems for manufacturing, finance, and more. With his diverse skill set, alongside his knowledge of various industries, including blockchain, AI, and scrum mastery, he's a jack-of-all-trades, so to speak, at Arc Games. Alien Worlds is a decentralized gaming metaverse on Ethereum, Wax, and BNB smart chain, which allows players to compete for NFTs and tokens in a simulated economy. Posting an impressive on-chain metrics with nearly 200,000 daily users, least 769,000 monthly transactions and trading volume of 42 million. It's the metaverse to be on. Founded by McKenna and Michael Yeats, Yates and Rob Allen, the game's six planetary dials stand central to decisions. TLM serves as the in-game currency and NFT span land tools, minions, weapons, and avatars. With the introduction of the interoperability bridge, players even earn TLM in Minecraft. Gentlemen, it's a pleasure to have you on the show today. Thank you for having us. And now a brief interlude from today's show so you can get ready to wave your magic wand with Cast Magic. Our team saved a ton of time and money using Cast Magic for our show, and the potential use cases are boundless for any company creating content. Imagine turning a single recording into a gold mine of engagement for any type of show, webinar, or other type of audio and or video content, whether it's short or long. With Cast Magic, you can save over 20 hours a week. No more tedious transcribing or brainstorming social media posts. Cast Magic does it all, generating show notes, summaries, blog posts, and even newsletters in minutes. Think of it as your content alchemist, transforming every audio or video into a treasure trove of valuable content. Want to experience the magic? Get a seven-day trial on us by going to bit.ly forward slash Cast Magic referral and join Cast Magic's vibrant Slack community of over a thousand innovators. Don't just create, cast your magic with Cast Magic. What's up, guys? How's everyone doing? 
Doing well. Thanks for having us, Josh. It's been a great opportunity for us and really excited to talk about Alien Worlds, Galactic Hubs, and, and Trillium Quest. Yeah, we're excited too. And hey, Matthew, fellow New Englander, man, I'm from Boston. So New England's near and dear to my heart, but I'm also happy with the warmer weather over here in LA. I'm not actually from New England. I'm a Buffalo, New York native. But you get, yeah, I don't know. That's a fringe one. Like you guys are like, some of you like the Patriots, some of you don't. Oh, Bills all the way, man. Buffalo Bills. That's my team. I remember the four Super Bowl losses in a row back in the early 90s. <laughs> yeah, you'll get yours eventually, maybe. We actually have, I'm not sure if it'll air before or after this show, but we have uh, Juju Smith-Schuster from the New England Patriots coming on the show soon. Nice. Yeah. Wow. That's yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to not mention your fan allegiances because he's a big gamer. I, I don't want him to discriminate against your game. No doubt, but Josh Allen is number one. You got to recognize that. <laughs> well, oh, he's guys, been crushing it for my fantasy football, so heard that. I haven't been playing fantasy football this year. I feel like life has been a fantasy football game this year. What a wild year. But it's also been a wild run for Alien Worlds. You guys are as OG as it comes. Sarah was one of the earliest guests on Edge of NFT. And I feel like anyone into Web3 and gaming that isn't aware of Alien Worlds has been sleeping at the controller. But for those that do fall in that category, Evan, we should give our audience a little bit of background on Alien Worlds and how it's evolved over its existence. When did it started? I guess we talked about it a little bit. Started back in the day. Yeah, 2020. So Alien Worlds started off actually as a mining game, but has since evolved into this massive social metaverse. This year, we've seen the introduction of six planetary DAOs. From there, we've seen, I think, 2,000 community proposals that have led to a variety of games, apps, content, all being developed with the game's NFTs and fungible token at their core. So what's really, yeah. That's incredible. That's, Super that's impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, very, very impressive. I think that's a testament to just how community-driven we are as a metaverse. And it's been really great and fascinating to actually see this transform into what is now a community-led sci-fi world where the game's lore and IP are now the key threads linking those projects together. Well, Matthew, when did you catch on to Alien Worlds and, and what caught your attention? I was aware of it back in 2021, I think. And I just really like the prospect that there's just a wide open canvas to paint on, so to speak. Yeah, I like that a lot. And one of the things that Evan mentioned was obviously the 2000 proposals, but that creates competition. And with creating that competition, there's a lot of really cool ways that players can compete for digital assets and tokens within Alien Worlds. Can you kind of break that down a little bit more for us? Yeah, absolutely. Competition is a huge part of the planetary DAOs, right? So you have these six planetary DAOs all competing against each other for the valuable resource Trillium, which is the fungible token. But as a player... Right now, you can compete with NFTs that have assigned attributes to be able to mine the currency for yourself. You can then have the staking of the Trillium to your aligned planet. So if I'm a player, I earn Trillium, I align it with the planet by staking it to that planet. And by doing so, I'm increasing the chances of that planet or team to generate more Trillium uh, for the planet's treasury. So you can think of these massive treasuries that are used to create and build applications, games, you name it, you've seen it. And you're absolutely right. Competition is a big part of that. 
So how has that played out? I remember some of the Alien World team telling me about sort of this shift that was going to happen a little over a year ago, if I recall. It was like even Art Basel, we were talking about it, IRL. Like, how's that competitive fervor, like, shaken out? Like, have there been any surprises along the way that sort of caught you off guard in terms of how the dynamics of competition have evolved? I think the answer is yes. I mean, we're pioneering, I think, what DAOs can be, what they ought to be, sometimes what they shouldn't be. There aren't any rules to how you play the game. By playing the game, I mean being a custodian. So as a custodian, I'm representing the interest of my community. So very much like in the real world, the politician doesn't always do what you think he or she should do. So yeah, there are going to be surprises. There's going to be a lot of politicking. That's just a part of the ecosystem. And and a lot of the real world stuff that we see is happening in the metaverse, but just in a different way, right? Because Uh, we have the technology sort of... Have there been any backstabbing moments that like caught the community off guard? Yeah, well, well, I'm not a part of the, the custodianship, but I can say that there have been stories of close-knit groups. All of a sudden, a week later, they're no longer in at the helm of the community. And some anonymous group is taking over, and it takes a while to find out who those people are. Do they get doxxed? We don't know. It, it depends on how much information is out there. But What's really cool about all of this is that you don't have these rigid systems in place. It's very flexible. And what comes with that as an output is anything can take place. But absolutely backstabbing, politicking, it's all happened. And we hope to see more of that happen because I think that really creates culture. And what a community will stand for, what it won't stand for, I think it's an interesting dynamic. Very cool. For those of you listening in, I'm drinking an energy drink. I felt like it was kind of the spirit of the show. Jocko Go is my like real energy zero crash drink. They're not a sponsor of the show. They should be because I drink it all the time. But yeah, this gets me fired up. I want to go play. What do you think, Richard? Hey, a good energy drink can get you going. I know when I do my road trips, I do that. And speaking of energy, one of the energies that have been coming at a high pace over at Alien Worlds is Trillium Quest. So Matt, I know you've been working on that and you've kind of been changing the narrative from player to player based on like how their experience is going. Can you kind of provide a glimpse into like how that is changing the future of gaming as you're allowing for true ownership to become possible? True ownership in Trillium Quest? What do you mean by that? Can you specify that a little bit? So from the sense of the NFTs that are being provided and how people are able to take that and I believe go cross game with it. Oh, okay. So Trillium Quest is a standard roguelike dungeon crawler, very heavily inspired by the earlier Final Fantasy games of the early 90s. If you remember uh, Final Fantasy on the Super Nintendo, I believe we called it two. The Japanese called it, what was it, four? But it's very heavily inspired by that. And our philosophy on this one is that we're going to make every single item in the game, every single enemy, every single consumable an NFT that can be moved on and off chain from the game itself and then do whatever you want with once you get it on the chain. You want to sell it on Atomic Hub, that's fine. You want to make your own game with them, whatever. So that's where that comes in. And we also allow the importation of certain Alien World NFTs into the game to function as if they were Trillium Quest NFTs as well. So if you have certain NFTs, you can import them and there's like a direct translation of what they are in-game and you can use those in-game as well. Very cool. I think you guys have a fun trailer for the game that you were nice enough to share with us. Why don't we uh, queue it up and, and take a peek at what's going on here and get some visuals. And 
Matthew, maybe you can kind of walk us through some of this as we roll tape. Sure thing. So we have some video of some combat with some creatures walking around some of the dungeons, some of the crafting mechanics, some of the casting or tech abilities, some of the NPCs. This is going so fast. Some more combat. And, you know, now join us on Discord and Telegram. <laughs> wow. Very impressive whoever put this together. Very nice video. Also, will we be making this available online to viewers to see? Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Well, sure. You kind of reminded me there of the micro machine guy. Remember him? That he was able to like get like 100 words out per second. And know. that was challenging. That was challenging because the scenes went by so quickly. It was kind of hard to keep up. So oh, you crushed <laughs> it. But it was much better that we gave you that assignment than we tried to do that because we don't have the same mastery of the content that you do. But something also, I think that is important to talk through is I believe people can go play this right now. It is available, correct? That is correct. You can go to my personal itch.io account and download this. We are going to have the official releases on the website as soon as we connect this to mainnet. But right now, the bridge, which is trillium-quest.net, the bridge for the NFTs is only active on the testnet for now. Later this week, it will be on mainnet and the files will be directly downloadable on that website. But for now, my own itch account, which is also linked on the website. So if you go to trillium-quest.net, you will be able to get a link directly to the downloads and they are available there and you can see it there and start playing away. Very cool. Matthew, I kind of felt a little bit of Zelda in sort of the imagery I saw. I am kind of curious. It felt nostalgic yet innovative. What was some of the inspiration behind Trillium Quest? Oh, all exactly all of that. The original Legend of Zelda. I was a huge Final Fantasy fan back in the day. Dragon Warrior, which I believe has been renamed to Dragon Quest since a certain day in the US. I grew up playing those games. So I look back on those very fondly. Some of them I even play through occasionally. Like every now and then I'll play through the original Legend of Zelda, just start to finish. And even the second quest, because, you know, it was so much fun. It was a great game. Timeless classic. So those really heavily... Oh, also Ultima. I can't believe I forgot to mention Ultima. I absolutely loved Ultima back in the early 90s. Ultima 7 was my favorite. And there's a lot of influence from that because I think Ultima was one of the pioneers of really good classic role-playing games with how the spellcasting system worked and the interaction of the environments. Although Ultima 8 was a bit of a step back in terms of that. If any of you followed any of those retro classics, have any of you played that one? Um, I have not, but I played a lot of what you called out. And just looking at the visuals, I know of the host, I'm definitely the gamer. I yep. really enjoy playing a lot of these different games. And one of the call outs I do want to say is you being able to build this game was through Galactic Hubs. Can you kind of That's like correct. talk through us about like how has that experience been and what has that meant for be able to bring your vision to life? Well, it's definitely been a journey. That's for sure. Getting from here to there, because we started this way back in the beginning of the year. Actually, we've been working on this for about... I want to say eight to 10 months, if memory serves me correctly. And we were approached by Magor, actually, James from Magor. And that's how Magor we... being being the planetary syndicate, one of the planets. Yes, one, one of the planetary syndicates. Yeah. So that is why the game takes place on Magor to begin with, because they initiated the project. And then again, I'm not the finance guy, I'm the technical lead. So from what I understand, there were applications for a grant. I don't know who did that. It was either our guy, Alex, or James himself who went through uh, Galactic Hubs and was able to land us the grant to allow us to develop the game going forward. And it was a lot of work involved. I mean, that's for sure. There have been several artists, several developers. We actually kind of cheated with the music and used AI-generated music in some spots. But I, I, don't, know <laughs> but that's, I, don't, I don't know if that's cheating. Like, not to get too philosophical here, but 
It kind of is because I originally wanted to get Meg Lee Chin to do the music for it. I don't know if you know who that is, but she was a big industrial person back in the 90s who was with a kind of an obscure band called Pig Face and did a lot of her own material. But I know her personally and I wanted her to do it, but she wanted way too much money. So we had it it would have been cheating if you used her voice (laughs) without her permission to like do the music or Oh, we wouldn't do that. We wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not cheating. It's just. It's a little bit of extra assistance from AI, yeah. but that's a fascinating conversation we have a lot. And we should talk about AI a little bit later. Oh, we love but, it. But first, Evan, like I see you kind of sitting back. You got to play the trailer. You're listening to what Matthew's building. You kind of have like a dream job, right? Like with what you're doing at Galactic Hubs, which is another branch of Alien World where you get a chance to sort of breathe life into this metaverse. And I'm just like reflecting on on your role and I'm like, wow, like you must be having a lot of fun. Yeah, you got that right, Josh. I mean, I really do enjoy my job and working with teams like Matt's to be able to bring these things to life and ultimately make the alien world experience better. And I think one of the things that really puts us apart from other grant programs in the industry is that we really are more than just funding. So I was sort of laughing inside when Matt said, yeah, it's a lot of work to be a part of Galactic Hubs. And that's true in a lot of ways. I mean, it is a lot of work. But the reason why I think we've been effective at bringing or rolling out interesting products is because we offer tailored marketing campaigns, right? So our marketing department or marketing team, they are very much seeing grantees or projects like Trillium Quest as clients, So it's like you could think of a marketing agency, a typical client. Well, that's sort of the relationship that they have. And and of course, in this context, it's part of being in the Galactic Hubs program is receiving that help and support from our marketing team. Well, let's break down the program a little bit more. Sorry to interrupt you, but I think just to give people the context here, like how big are these grants? Are we talking in, I guess, in Trillium? And we can kind of convert it to USDC, I guess, in the current moment. But how big are these grants? Like, what's the sort of support services, the process of sort of getting these things going? Yeah, so the process is starts with filling out an application. You tell us how much you're requesting in Trillium. And based on that, we have two different tiers of grants, generally speaking. We have what are called the development tier grants, which is really the smaller initiatives, but with more flexibility. So if you're coming to us for the first time and you're looking to, I don't know, create content on a podcast like this, we haven't worked together, but let's try it out type of thing, right? And we'll allocate up to 500,000 trillion. So you can work that out that I think currently is around 7,000 USD. And from there, we can build on top of that relationship with sort of that deliverable being delivered on, we're happy with, and we can build that up to what's called the pioneer tier grants, which is the higher level sort of engagement we have or relationship we have with grantees where actually Trillium Quest is part of our pioneer tier. So basically, we have a grant right now. Thank you very much, by the way, and full disclosure. But I'm just thinking out loud here eventually we can actually do the podcast live from like a replica of a flying saucer with a studio audience sort of downtown LA with like some dope DJ, right? That would be like going for the big one. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, look, the sky's the limit. That's where I was going to say is Pioneer doesn't have a cap, 
really from scope to deliverables to budget. But you have to understand that the getting to the pioneer tier, we, it's really a case-by-case scenario. We really do ask for and want to see a level of commitment that would make us feel like, okay, these guys are serious. They're going to take this all the way. And that's what we found with Trillion Quest, right? Is we uh, saw the game. Like you said, this was not just uh, whipped up from the moment we met. This had already been in sort of a development phase. It already had a testing environment so we could look at it. And that's ultimately why we chose Trillion Quest to be a Pioneer Tier Grant. Yeah. And actually, Matt, I wanted to pass the mic to you just for a second with what do you think sets you apart to receive it? And as you are now like again working with the team to build this out, how's that working experience been? It's not his favorite team being Buffalo Bills, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, 13 seconds still haunts me, man. <laughs> it still haunts me. Back to your original question. To my knowledge, I think we're the only studio to do something like this so far, to actually have a game that ties into Wax NFTs. And my interest in that, I was actually really wanting to build something like this before we encountered Megor and Alien Worlds, because I learned about Wax Network and how it was, I'll put it as the least obnoxious in terms of fees, how other networks like the Ethereum network or the Binance network will really spam your users with transaction fees, gas fees, I think is what they call it. So you look at a game like Splinterlands, I think is what it's called, is one of the most popular games in the Ethereum network. But again, the Ethereum network just spams you with these gas fees and it's crazy. And I remember in the past, there have been games, I think it might've been World of Warcraft for a while, where you could go into the game and you could find a very rare item and then sell it on some market. And I thought Wax was actually really perfect for something like that. Because if you had a game where you could find a rare item and you wanted to sell it to somebody else or trade it or do something else with it, Wax is a perfect, well, maybe perfect's not quite the right word, but it's the best environment to do something like that because you only have to put a bit of money into your CPU stake because it refreshes every 24 hours. And that's really nice compared to something like Ethereum where it's like, wow, (laughs) you want to send over this NFT, you got to pay eight bucks. (laughs) That's a bit much, but I think the Wax uh, platform is definitely much better for that. And it was really easy to integrate with for the most part with caveats. It can get a little bit tricky when you're talking about the Wax Cloud Wallet because it's for the most part web only and it can be kind of difficult to access that from the game engine because you don't have access to your keys on the cloud network and most people don't even know what those are. So it's kind of like a balancing act to have like the bridge on a website that can integrate with these things. And it's not so much directly in game, which was actually very, very difficult. But to my knowledge, we're the only ones on the Wax Network to do something like this and to have a game that interacts with the chain in such a way that I envisioned years ago. So that's all that. Very cool and and good on you, sir. And Evan, good on Alien Worlds for being on the edge of DAO governance and sort of this whole ecosystem building approach. You guys have taken a very unique approach to what it really means to build an ecosystem. I'm certainly generally authentically impressed by it. Same. And I think, yeah, I was was just going to say, like, the fact that you're able to refine this down and look at, like, all the different ways that someone's bringing an innovative way of bringing the game to life and then able to weave it into the metaverse ecosystem of Alien Worlds is really cool. But one of the things I know someone listens to this right now who's like, I'm a developer, I'm building something cool. I think I have some innovative. How can I, like, go for this and stand out from the crowd? So, like, what would you think are those things that, if a potential developer is listening to this right now, like, the things that would help them shine? Was that for me or was that for Evan? That was for Evan, I think. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Matthew doesn't mind helping the competition too. But yeah, Evan, you go first. 
That's a good question. Something that we, one that we get often, but I'd say the answer is we're looking for developers with detailed plans, not just ideas. And too often, that's exactly what we get in our submission boxes, just ideas with not a whole lot of thought and how this is going to be implemented or executed on. So, and the other thing is we want to see a lot of focus on how NFTs are going to have a deeper meaning to our players through your initiative, right? So it's important to really know that we're, you know, Galactic Hubs is not the client here. The Alien Worlds community is the real client. We're just here to align those values as the best we can for the community. And what I mean by that is it has to be community first to really make an impact and increase your chances to being accepted. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess one of the ways that you guys are sort of approaching this is through this interesting combination of AI and community governments. And you're using tokenized lore, which is a pretty unique concept that we should sort of break down into what its components really mean. Similar to sort of, I think about like the Star Wars or the Marvel franchise and how those iconic franchises have sort of evolved and grown over time and they go backward, they go forward. How is sort of tokenized lore and AI sort of blending together with what you just talked about? So that's exactly right. Mentioning Star Wars, Marvel, that's what we're trying to do with Alien Worlds is become a franchise. But we're doing this a little bit differently. We're going to be doing it through the blending of AI and community, where the community is the input and AI is sort of the engine, right, of this tokenized lore concept that we're we're putting forwards. So the community in this sort of equation is sort of the sec that the part that helps shape the story. So this is similar, like you said, to how fans might influence the direction of big franchises. And where this becomes really interesting, I think, from someone who reads a lot, is the collaboration that we have with Kevin J. Anderson. Right. This is someone who's written, I think, 165 books. He has 23 million copies in print. He has he's co-authored Dunes. He's co-authored stories for Star Wars, his work with DC, Marvel, you name it. He's been there. And this tokenized lore, what this allows players to do is introduce new ideas into the universe while keeping Kevin J. Anderson's foundational lore that he's written for us intact. So contributions come in, but it doesn't cancel out what's happened in the past. It really is a contribution. And that's really just a way for the community to be a part of the game's evolving narrative. I like that. And one of the things that the two powerful names we brought up from Star Wars to Marvel is the storytelling element and how it captivates and makes people want to go and create their own stories to go into that universe or to that metaverse in this example with talking with Alien Worlds. But as we kind of wrap up this segment before heading into our next, I want to bring up an opportunity to kind of walk us through like what's coming up next. So I know you have some proposed lore releases that are coming up that you can potentially talk to us about, Evan. So I'll pass it to you first. But then, Matt, I would love afterwards if you could then tell us what's next, like what's coming up for all the amazing things that you're building with Trillium Quest and what can people expect? Yeah, so I'll start with just saying that next year we have what are called targeted grants. So this is going to be a dedicated community storytelling initiative. So what this means is fans or players in our ecosystem are going to be able to contribute to their own characters 
or sorry, contribute their own characters' storylines to the Alien Wars metaverse with the possibility of those becoming officially canon. So it's huge, right? Officially recognized as Alien World's lore. And we have a lot of creative people, so we're expecting a lot of submissions. But something to keep in mind also, to make this possible, the whole targeted grants and submissions, is we have what is called large lore models. So in AI, I know a lot of people are talking about this concept of large language models. We're using that concept, but in this case, we're blending community ideas to enrich the game's story. And the way this happens is we take a contribution, and if it's canon, it gets fed into this large lore model that I was talking to you about. And that approach basically lets players contribute to the game's narrative and artwork in a way that is going to be able to give this engine right, more fuel to bring creative stories to the metaverse and ultimately lead into canon and hopefully be adopted by games and content that builders are creating. Very cool. And Matt, what's next for Trillium Quest? Oh, okay. So specifically for Trillium Quest is that we have a multiplayer version of it coming out. We're working on it right now as we speak to get it out there as soon as possible. It will essentially be the same map, but it'll support multiple players. This game right now only takes place in the Megor Rocky Desert. The next release will not. It will take place somewhere else, either on planet Ike or Cavian or whatever other planet wants to support it. And that we're going to expand from there. And as we release the single player, we're going to incorporate what we released in single player into the multiplayer. So it'll always be an evolving thing. In terms of lore, we are going to try to keep this as much canon as possible with the official Alien Worlds canon. So whatever becomes canon, we're going to try to put it in there. If something gets removed, we'll take it out. And it's really as simple as that. We also have other ideas in the pipeline that are for the future. I mean, this isn't the only type of game that we make. We also do VR development and we love VR games and we'd love to do an in-world like Alien World VR game. It wouldn't have anything to do with NFTs, but it would still take place within the Alien Worlds universe and be available on the MetaQuest store, something like that. So we have stuff like that that are possibly in the works. And if we can support it, we're definitely going to be doing it. And we're really excited about where it could go because there's just so much possibility out there. You got six planets that anything can happen on these planets. You've got space in between these planets where anything can happen. You could have a space shooter. You could have space operas, whatever. I mean, the possibilities are endless. So it really is up to the fans in terms of what happens next and what we see next. So no, that's just saying that's so powerful, being able to allow the fans to come and be part of that and be part of the lore and really help to push where the game goes next. So I'm excited about that with Galactic Hubs and Alien Worlds that's going on in Trillium Quest. All really exciting things. Everyone listen, make sure you go and check it out. Hello again, Web3 Curious listeners. If you're tuning into our podcast, we'd love for you to connect with us on our social media channels. Let us know what aspects of the show you love and what or who you're eager to hear more about. Your insights help us refine the show and bring you the topics and guests that matter most to you. Thanks for sticking with us. Back to the episode. Evan, Matt, we've learned a lot of really great things about what you're building, but now we want to learn a little bit more about each of you. So now we're about to get into our next segment, which is Edge Quick Hitters which is a fun and quick way to get to know you a little better. There are 10 questions. We're looking for just a short or single or few word response, but feel free to expand if you get the urge. Are you both ready? They're busy guys. They haven't got a lot of sleep, so they're perfect guinea pigs for this segment. That's what we like. 
So we're going to flip it up too. So Evan, we're going to ask you two questions first, then we'll ask Matt you questions first. So neither of you has a handicap, okay? All right, Evan, what is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life? Got to be Hot Wheels. Remember Hot Wheels? I don't know if it still exists, the little cars. Yeah, of course. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, Hot Wheels. It was crazy. Either that or Pokemon cards. Yeah. Nice. Matt, what about you? Like a typical kid in the 80s, most likely candy. Did you have a go-to? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. My parents would take me to Fanny Farmers or Fowler's Chocolates, and it was whatever. It struck my fancy. Nice. All right, Evan, back to you. What is the first thing you remember ever selling in your life? Pokemon cards, for sure. Yeah, I used to collect, buy, and sell. Yep. A true trader. It all comes back to these early days in terms of how we all got into Web3. Matt, what about you? Oh, junk at a yard sale for sure. Yeah, nice. That's awesome. That's the first I think I've heard. I don't know if you've heard that one, Josh, but like, that's cool. No, no. I So in the 300 plus episodes, I don't think that one has come out as no. So nice first time. All right. So Matt, I'll kick it to you first. What is the most recent thing you purchased? The MetaQuest 3. Nice. How you like it? Oh, I love it. I love it. I want to be playing it right now. Wrath of Asgard 2 just dropped and it looks so good. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you're... Someone else recently told me that it's awesome and I'm, I'm going to go check it, it out. I'm, I'm very impressed with it. Yeah. How about you, Evan? Age of Empires 2. I actually bought that last night at like 10 p.m. I also bought the crossover application for Mac so I could play it on Mac. But yeah. Nice. Really cool. Matt, what is the most recent thing you sold? That I don't know. My wife does the eBay thing. I'm sure if I had to guess, it was probably my retro pieces from my retro game collection. Because we've had bins of just bins of retro game stuff in the garage that you can't even use because you can't hook nothing up to modern TVs anymore. So I said, just go ahead and sell it before it turns worthless like your great grandfather's 45s. Nice. How about you, Evan? My wife sold my Birkenstocks. I didn't like them. <laughs> oh, man. Who wants to buy your... <laughs> no, they, not they... used, should I say. Okay, okay. I mean, they were okay. given to me. I didn't wear them. All right. Yeah. All right. I was going to say... If they're the three strap, I'll buy them. <laughs> They might have been. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just glad they're not used. All right. Well, next question is for you, Evan. What is your most prized possession? Probably a watch that my father gave to me when I was younger. My first watch. Yeah. Nice. You remember the brand? Yeah, Certina. It's a Swiss brand, Certina. Nice. Yeah. And Matt, what about you? It's my wife and kids for sure. I don't have any emotional attachments to material objects. Wait, hold on. Can I just say my son? Because <laughs> I didn't know we were getting deep. <laughs> all right, all right. I know my wife is going to watch this. And she's like, what the hell? You're watching? <laughs> so here's the thing. It's all about your interpretation of the word possession, right? right? right. There's right. Exactly. people. That, some people come on the show and say like, oh, they're not possessions. They're own independent beings. Other people are like, well, at the end of the day. So I think it's totally fine either way. So yes. Shout out to Evan's wife and child as well. Don't want to leave them in the dust. All right. Next question. If you could buy anything in the world, digital, physical service or experiences currently for sale, what would it be? It's whatever my wife wants. <laughs> I don't want anything. <laughs> I guess the only thing I'd want is probably, a, I don't know, guys. I, I... How about the metabolism I had when I was 23? <laughs> <laughs> that works. <laughs> Uh, sign me up for that. I guess yeah. this is a good sign. I can't think of anything, guys. <laughs> I know. 
you've reached like fulfillment. You're like a monk, man. Yeah, you're you reached Nirvana. Congratulations. <laughs> I don't want to see what I can buy. I want to see what I can do. Hey, man, I did all that. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Well, Matt, we'll go ahead and pass you the next one. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? It would be my desire to create. That's definitely what I think I would like to be passed on. My middle child, I have three boys. My middle child definitely has it. We're working on the other two. <laughs> gotcha. How about you, Evan? I think it'd be my ability to just work with people. I think too many times in life, you find yourself in a situation where you feel like you need to be the star or you need the attention. And I think working with somebody, no matter where it is in life, I think just understanding that dynamic and how important it is to getting things done is something I'd want to pass on to my kids. Yeah. I think it's a great characteristic to have because ultimately we have to work with people, no matter who we are in this world, knowing how to work with others is important. So I think that's a really good one. On the flip side, I'm passing it to you, Matt, first. If you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? Oh, tunnel vision. I have a tendency to get really bad tunnel vision when I'm working on stuff and I'll zone out and blank out and forget about everything else. Yeah, I feel you on that one. How about you, Evan? My wife would say my forgetfulness of things that are important, right? <laughs> Sometimes I get carried away with paying too much attention to the details. I forget what the goal is sometimes. And that would be the only thing I think. Fair enough. Yeah, both important. And that's probably also like one of your strengths, right? Is the details. So it's just yeah. the yin and yang such as life. All right, Evan, what did you do just before joining us on the podcast? I had dinner. I had some rice and I'm actually looking over at it right now as we speak. I had some rice and some minced pork with, with veggies. All right. And what about you, Matt? This is going to be a boring answer. I was working. Yeah. Oh, like were you doing some dev work? Some Oh, some... dev work, dev work. It's It was the middle of the day here in Central Florida, East Coast, United States. So the workday wasn't technically over. <laughs> so I was working. Nice. Do you ever use AI to help you with your dev or is that cheap? All the time. All the time. No, AI can't do your work for you. But what it can do is it could help you. So... A lot of times it'll just build kind of like a framework of something that you need, like a wireframe, and then you fill in the blanks, or you can tell it to do something really simple, like, hey, AI, I need a function to convert Fahrenheit to Celsius, and it gets you that without any issue. But most of the time, you can't just say to an AI, hey, I need a class that does this, or I need a library that does exactly this, and it'll try, but it won't be correct. So you really have to know what you're doing with AI, but it has definitely been a very big help because it's like having your own personal assistant. There you go. And I guess, Evan, what are you going to do next after the podcast? Sleep. Yeah, it's nearly midnight here and I've got a son who's nine months old, so I don't get much of it. <laughs> the, oh, the I, don't question, miss, I don't miss those days. Yeah. The question <laughs> is, does being on this show give you an energy rush or are you going to like crash instantaneously? I think it's going to be an energy rush. Yeah, I, I love talking about what we're doing at Galactic Cubs. I love being online with Matt. Uh, this has been really fun. So I, I'm going to go with energy rush. That's the challenge with events in media is when we have these good conversations, it definitely like keeps me awake. I'm, I'm going to be thinking about all the stuff that we talked about the rest of the day. It's part of the joy of media. And what about you, Matt? After this, I really want to continue <laughs> at Wrath of Asgard too. <laughs> It was nice. so cool. I only looked at it for like 10 minutes during my lunch break today. And I was like, oh, man, this is really impressive. They did some great work and it looks a lot of fun. It's very reminiscent of Skyrim. And I'm very impressed with the visuals on it. They did some great work, that studio. 
I don't know who it nice. is off the top of my head, but whoever it is, hats off to them. They did great. Nice, yeah. nice. Hey, Richard, do we have a bonus question today? We do. And in the, of course, subject line of all things gaming and metaverse, I have to bring up for two people who are clearly having a ton of fun in this space. What is the greatest game you have ever played? And I will pass it to you first, Matt. Besides Alien Worlds. Of course. The Witcher 3, The Wild Hunt, for sure. My friend Jalen agrees with that statement. He has literally played that game and beat that game so many times. So, like, I'm going to call him after that just because you said it. it's amazing. They, a relatively unknown studio in Eastern Europe. And, well, man, it's great. What they were able to do was just amazing. I wasn't too impressed with their Cyberpunk 2077, though. How about you, Evan? I'm going to go with Old School RuneScape, released in 2003 or four. Still play it today. It's an MMORPG. Actually, Trillium Quest is why, or RuneScape is really why I, I fell in love with the idea of helping support Trillium Quest, because there's a lot of elements that are shared in both games. So definitely my all-time favorite, one that I still play today. Kind of addicting, actually definitely addicting, but a lot of fun. That's awesome. Nice. Full circle. Hi. We love having listeners like you, because you're not only generous, but you're smart, and you want to maximize the impact of your generosity. Donating money to help people can be a wonderful and selfless act, but how can you feel confident that your donations are improving or saving lives effectively? You could do weeks of research to find the charities that are out there, programs that they run, how effective those programs are, and how the charity might use your money. Or you could visit GiveWell.org. There, you'll get a short vetted list of the best charities they've found at saving or improving lives per dollar. GiveWell spends over 20,000 hours each year researching charitable organizations and only recommends a few of the highest impact evidence back to charities they've found. Here's an example of how we at Edge of NFT make our charitable contributions go super far. Quick search on GiveWell's website, found their maximum impact fund, clicked donate, sent crypto to their address, done. Their maximum impact fund distributes quarterly to the charities that they believe will do the most good. GiveWell accepts a broad variety of popular tokens and provides a simple way to document your donation. If you've never donated to GiveWell's recommended charities before, you can have your donation matched up to $250 before the end of the year or as long as matching funds last. To claim your match, go to GiveWell.org and pick podcast and enter Edge of NFT at checkout. Make sure they know you heard about GiveWell from Edge of NFT to get your donation matched. We don't have a lot of time left, guys, but I want to hit one hot topic that I think is particularly relevant and i'm looking at your data so i think you'll have something to share on this particular topic so the market resurgence and future prospects of blockchain gaming by abga our friends that threw a great event in uh, singapore this past year that we went to one of the highlights so what they posted in their blog is the gaming market has experienced a 34 percent surge in token market cap within the last quarter sparking questions about the rise in user numbers amid declining transactions in other Web3 industries. Meanwhile, Ronin still emerges as a major player, fueling speculation about the next Axie Infinity. We had Jiho on, but, but so does Alien Worlds. So I'm looking at the chart, and at this very moment, it looks like, I guess, Q3 started in September. You guys were hovering in at a price of 0.0109, and now we're at point. 015, which is approximately a 35% increase. So my observation is that for major games in the space, ones with real history, it would seem that Axie trend is carrying over to Alien Worlds and other top games as well. 
know, we have our friends at Gala, their tokens gone up as well. You guys think we're on? I know there's going to be a little bit of bias in your answer here, but would you agree with the ABGA that sort of gaming is going to sort of outpace the growth of other sectors of Web3? Matt, do you want to go first or should I? I'm not really sure. So you can handle that. I think the answer, yeah, obviously there's going to be bias. I'm going to start with that. But I would say absolutely yes. I do think gaming will outpace other sectors. If you look at, I think, what most people look at as, as NFTs, they'll probably say Bored Apes or some variant of that. I don't think that's a fair sort of description of what NFTs are, a fair representative of where we are as an industry in gaming. I think there's been a huge monopoly on how games are played, owned, consumed. And that's just the case for anything, you know, Web2. But I think gaming, especially if you look at any of the large franchises, I mean, just the amount that they, if they disappear tomorrow, your game is gone, right? And you've seen that happen with PlayStation 2, PlayStation 1. You lose access to your, let's say, your account that has all these valuables in it in-game valuables, you're gone. If you get banned from game, you're gone. And you lose all of that with it. I think Web3 is really where, and going back to earlier in our podcast, where true ownership becomes a huge trend, I think, in the future, where we're going to be able, as players, to take assets and bring them over to other ecosystems and not have to start from zero every time. And that fundamentally only happens if you bring down the walled gardens that exist today in Web2 games. So I think that change is profound in gaming, whereas other industries, I don't see that as being completely revolutionary. That's a mic drop moment. I think we can end there. And now a brief interlude from today's show so you can get ready to wave your magic wand with Cast Magic. Our team saved a ton of time and money using Cast Magic for our show, and the potential use cases are boundless for any company creating content. Imagine turning a single recording into a gold mine of engagement for any type of show, webinar, or other type of audio and or video content, whether it's short or long. With Cast Magic, you can save over 20 hours a week. No more tedious transcribing or brainstorming social media posts. Cast Magic does it all, generating show notes, summaries, blog posts, and even newsletters in minutes. Think of it as your content alchemist, transforming every audio or video into a treasure trove of valuable content. Want to experience the magic? Get a seven-day trial on us by going to bit.ly forward slash CastMagicReferral and join CastMagic's vibrant Slack community of over a thousand innovators. Don't just create, cast your magic with CastMagic. Guys, this has been a really fun conversation. Really enjoyed having you both on the show. Where can listeners go to learn more about you and the projects you're working on? If you want to share your Twitter handles, any other sort of key information, Evan, go first. Come apply for a grant if you're in the audience and you have some creative ideas or really plans on how to bring those to life. Apply at ghubs.io or learn more about us at alienworlds.io and start playing the game. Check out our Twitter. There's always information on how to do that. And yeah, I look forward to meeting with you guys again. And thanks for the opportunity of joining. It's been really cool and insightful. Cool. And Matthew, where do uh, folks learn more about Trillium Quest and all the other fun stuff you're up to in the world of Web3 and gaming? Trillium Quest can be, you can read about it and play it by going to trillium-quest.net, trillium-quest.net. 
that website will have all the information for Trillium Quest, like where to download it. There's a bestiary, 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 however you pronounce it, the page with all the enemies. <laughs> so you could get all hyped up. You can see what's there, what's available. I'm not very active on social media. That's due to my tunnel vision. I'm so focused on work. I forget to talk to other people a lot. So, but I do have a Twitter and it's, I think it's at Florida Data Nerd, if I'm remembering correctly, but I never tweet. Hardly ever. Only when I'm complaining about Sean McDermott. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, hopefully you'll have some Buffalo Bills victories to tweet about and some more. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. But once the Patriots get the number one draft pick, it's going to be Payne City again for you guys. I'm sorry about we'll that. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, We're trying to dethrone Miami right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's. I just look at that as a sideshow in, in another year or two, so... We'll see what happens. As we like to say, they haven't beaten anybody with a winning record yet this year. True story. <laughs> we have reached the outer limit at the edge of NFT for today. Thanks for exploring with us. We've got space for more adventures on the Starship. So invite your friends or recruit some cool strangers. They'll make this journey all so much better. How? Go to Spotify or iTunes right now. Rate us and say something awesome. Then go to edgeofnft.com to dive further down the rabbit hole. Subscribe to our newsletter there for the latest shows trends, contests, and other Web3 updates. Look us up on all major social platforms by typing at Edge of NFT with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great NFT content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. This episode was brought to you by today's guest and sponsor. The creators of Edge of NFT will be compensated to support the production costs associated with the program. We are very selective when deciding who to have on these shows, but we are learning as we go just like you. The views expressed are for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only, and are not intended to serve as an endorsement or investment advice. You are urged to do your own research as well as consult a reputable financial advisor before making any investment or purchase decision.